it's me again. I've got a couple of topics that I'm going to try to integrate and like try to be clear with them. <laughs> What's coming through right now? I don't know how it'll go. I think I always say that when I just flow with ideas that are coming through. But first, I'm drinking my mushrooms. And let me just say a little a little piece here. A little bit about mushies and mushroom life. I know that mushrooms are a trendy cool thing and have been for several years. Maybe a little bit longer than that. But they're more mainstream now. I want to talk to the original mushroom life people. You know who you are. You were the little kids in the dirt, in the backyard, looking at those little, what are they called? The mushrooms that grow up after somebody mows the lawn. You're not supposed to eat them, and somebody probably would have told you, don't eat the mushrooms. If you see a mushroom, don't eat it. So you're probably pretty smart and conscientious about that, because mushroom kids usually are really (laughs) thoughtful. Original mushroom kids. I'm not talking about trendy burning man people. (laughs) I'm getting getting sass pants already. (laughs) It's so funny. I always tell myself I'm not gonna, but then I do. Mushroom life. Original mushroom life people. You know who you are. You saw those mushrooms in the dirt and you felt you felt a thing. Here's what you felt. Going on a limb here a little bit. You knew not to interfere. It wasn't fear. Because little kids, when you're little, you can have a, a sense of, of fearfulness about stuff in nature, which is totally, yeah, normal. We all do. Especially as adults, even though we're not like aware of it. <laughs> we still have all this fear about nature and we don't, we're just not as conscious about it or aware of it but it definitely shows up in our lives everywhere, but that's a totally different topic. But you were a little kid in the dirt, and maybe sometimes you'd you'd pick a mushroom, you'd you'd smush the spongy cap in your fingers, you know, you'd be like, what is this thing? This is cool. You were tactile, but overall, you had a sense to leave it alone. Just don't interfere. You just knew on some level. Observe, admire, experience, but you didn't want to mess with it. Because you just knew it was this force. It was it was nature. It was bigger than you. And it was totally okay to not inject yourself into it. Which is kind of like topic that I'm going to try to explore today. So thank you, mushrooms. Anyway, I have like this powdered mushroom drink mix that I add to my faux coffee. I don't drink caffeine anymore. I've talked about that in another episode called Keep Your Eyes on Your Own Paper. (laughs) That was like one of my favorite episodes to record. Um, But I like to add mushrooms to everything I'm able to add them to. Because mushrooms are life. Have a relationship with mushrooms. Don't just consume them. But get to know them. And if you get to know them, you will want them around you. And you will want to take care of them. And also put them in your body. Because they're really good friends. 
So that's my little four minutes now <laughs> about mush, mushy life. But I gotta keep drinking it. Hold on. It's so hacking good. You don't even know. All right. Topics today that I'm gonna try to make some sense out of. Prophecy, <coughs> excuse me, prophecy and having a prophetic gift. And working with that gift in a sense of speaking life. What is speaking life and how, regardless of somebody's spiritual gifting or not, everyone who is on a spiritual path and cares about it being non-douchey, a non-douchey spiritual path, can speak life. And that is the essence of prophecy and a prophet is speaking life. I'm going to explore that a little bit. And also compare and contrast that to how a lot of us come into a spiritual path with the sexy things, specifically sex magic. <laughs> I'm going to compare and contrast prophecy and the gift of speaking life versus sex magic. Nothing wrong. Again, I get sass pants. I put them on a little bit. <laughs> or it might seem like I am. I'm just passionate. I'm passionate because I've experienced some things so directly and so powerfully. And the, the lessons that have beaten me up in the process, I, I just wish I could convey these these lessons that I've experienced and what I've taken away from them and how staying stuck, staying stuck in the sexy while there is absolutely nothing wrong with a human being craving or being attracted to and longing for the uh, magical ability to manipulate reality and outcomes in their own personal life via things like sex magic, something really that seems a little dangerous, a little dark, a little potent. Um, how getting stuck in that, which is what these industries that, that we're all really swimming around in would really, would really prefer us to do. Uh, how that is just not helping. At the end of the day, there's helpful things in there. But at the end of the day, coming from a perspective of all of life and the upheaval that an intensity that continues to really ramp itself up, we're just not being helpful as healers, as spiritual seekers, whatever. Really at the root of it, at the end of the day, it's not helpful. Okay. Speaking of upheaval, um, so intensity this the things that are unfolding right now um, this summer especially could could be really uh, fiery with with some some real consequences for larger communities of people 
uh, there's a real potential for whether that whether that occurs or not, and that's actually what I want to talk about. The potential is there uh, for for some very um, destructive, traumatizing uh, stuff. And myself, just speaking purely for myself and from my own unfolding process of understanding and experiencing and having a direct knowledge of my own gifting, the gifts I carry, the ancestors, the elevated ancestors and spirits that I carry. I have a, a, a big part of my calling is centered on what would be called prophecy. Knowing about things in advance of them happening and working within that. And it is a process. It is such a process because I'm coming from a lot of conditioning and a lot of beliefs and a lot of identities built up around concepts like prophecy. And as I've said before many times, this is an unlearning process. This is a letting go of those tendencies and identities and attachments so that I'm getting out of the way. I'm out of the way and it can just come through me in a way that is actually helpful. Not that I think it's helpful, not that I want it to look a certain way or I think it's helpful in a certain way. I'm out of the way. My stuff is out of the way. That doesn't mean I'm a perfect pure being, egoless and enlightened. But rather, just it's it's no longer blocking the runway. I'm no longer block, blocking the runway. And it's a process. And through the process of cleansing and clearing things out and letting things go and release and surrender and the trust that builds and grows through that, um... Things become more clear my gifting becomes more clear so it becomes more accurate becomes more relevant becomes more useful and uh, it just becomes more practical it's it's as it clears out the, the bloviating clears out to you the the magicalness of it that is the commercial aspect of it, I guess. I don't know how to describe it. It just gets more practical. And it's a process. And the biggest, the biggest part of this process, as I've said before, is about the relationship. My relationship to myself. Because my elevated ancestors and spirits are a part of me and are me, essentially. It can get a little tricky I'm trying to describe the duality versus non-duality of it all. But essentially that's what it is. And learning about who I'm carrying and what these gifts are and what I guess could be called the, the highest version of these gifts, where I'm fully out of the way and it's able to express through me without all that stuff attached to it. Um, it's a process of learning 
about who I carry, what's required for these relationships, how to tend to and nurture these relationships. That is the ultimate and most important part of an ancestral calling to heal, is relationships. It's about their relationships. It's not about results, it's not about titles and roles, jobs, money, all that stuff is a natural side effect. It's about the relationship, being healthy and connected. Okay, so I've got this this gifting and a lot of the prophetic stuff that comes through for me is in dreams. And my dreams are just getting more and more clear overall. It's not a linear process. It can be like two steps back, four forward, three back, 10 forward, you know. But it, um, it's a lot of it is my dreams. And I'm shown prophetic stuff for individuals, but more, more and more so for larger communities, for, for like the collective in general, I guess. <laughs> Not a lot of stuff for myself either. A little bit here and there, but mostly it's for the bigger, for the bigger community. And so a lot of that comes through dreams, but also through my waking life when I'm just moving around. And I'll have ideas, imaginations, visions that just are on repeat. And as I become more and more aware of how I'm communicated with by my elevated ancestors, um, I just get more clear on when something is a message and important for me to take notice of and when it's just me being neurotic or perseverating on something or anxious. That is a really sticky part of an unfolding process of becoming a healer. What is my stuff? What is my neuroticism? What is my trauma? What is my wounding? What is my attachments? Versus what's just a, a very clear, neutral communication from spirit by spirit. Really tough to get clear on, on what, what is actually my stuff versus spirit. Um, so that's been a process. And so I have all these dreams and other insights about upheaval in the world and what that can look like and what events can happen. And when stuff happens, and I'm, I'm putting air quotes right about it, like I saw it, I sensed it, whatever. Um, my own conditioning around that, and I think this is probably really common for everyone, is to immediately go into a reaction that places that as, here, let me try to break it down. Part of me is like, yes, I was right. And wanting to prove to the world that one, I'm not crazy. Two, that I do carry a gift. <clears throat> and three, it is useful and valuable for the world. That's all my stuff. That's all the conditioning and, 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 and drama, trauma that has built up in my life. That has built up a lot of cycles and patterns and tendencies in my life. Nothing wrong with it. It just gets in the way. It's just my stuff blocking the runway. But more than that, it makes me feel suffering. I suffer 
as a result. I'm tired. I'm tired. I've reached a point where I don't want to invest time and energy in the suffering stuff. Even if it seems noble, even if it seems valid, even if it seems essential to living life in Western society. I'm, I'm like done with it at a level that is uh, so much deeper. It's, it's at a deep level. And uh, I just, you know, I'm ready to be done with, with all that suffery stuff. And to abide in a state within myself that is free. So I have all this conditioning. And it's, it's a sliver of me. It's not a really huge part of me, but it definitely, like, wants to crop up when stuff around prophecy, things I've dreamed about, whatnot, etc. Happens. And then it's so difficult because there's this paradoxical thing happening within myself where it's usually not a super positive event. <laughs> it can be. I do see really cool things, usually for individuals and friends and even groups of people, but like a lot of it is, is not good. It's not cute. And it's just awful, awful stuff that, that can cause a lot of pain and suffering. And so I'm there going like, yes, I was right. And also, oh my God, this is freaking awful. I feel so bad. I feel bad individually because like I'm going, yes, I was right. And how can I prove this to people and prove my worth, right? <laughs> like the parlor trick version of, of prophecy that I think tends to be the majority presentation out there in the industries. It can be like the parlor parlor tricky stuff. Like, oh, look at me. Um, even if it's like wrapped up in something more evolved or higher than that and at the same time I'm I'm seeing a, an awful thing happening where I I don't I don't want to be right about this I don't want to see this stuff I don't want to know this stuff but even more than that it's like it's been a process of like well then what do I do what can anyone do whether they're seeing things in advance of things happening or not. Like, what can anyone do? What can I do? I, I, so I see a thing, what, I make a post about it, me, 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 like my magical ability, this parlor trick. Like, defending and explaining myself and trying to prove myself. And then, like, I don't want to know. I don't want to. I don't want to know. I don't want to know this stuff. And what can I do about it? I, I'm just going out there and telling people and making a big deal out of myself. What use is that? Truly. How is that helping in any way? And here's the crux of it. Gifts of prophecy are never intended to be parlor tricks in any way, shape, or form. They wind up being that way a lot of the time. I would even say most of the time. That isn't the true gift of them. The true gift there is about the greater we, the greater thou, the greater, the greater of life. 
And the tendency with any gifting, uh, prophecy or, or otherwise, is to make it about me rather than the we. It's like this. Here's how it really shows up and how it's shown up in my life. And this is my process of unlearning and deconditioning. A quote, I think, that's been attributed to Gandhi, and it's, this is totally paraphrased, is basically, you don't need to be marching against what it is you don't want to see in the world. Instead, march for the change you want to create and collaborate with in the world. So, you know, all this time marching against what you don't want to see when what can be really powerful in a different way. I'm not suggesting that activism that is is against injustice and, and destruction doesn't work. It does. But that tends to be the only focus that we've got. Whereas marching for creating for the change that you want to see and that you want to be can be not only powerful but also satisfying and this is about soul satiety the the satisfaction bone deep in your soul versus staying stuck on a wheel of highs and lows wins and losses that isn't sustainable that won't lead to longevity. Whereas speaking for, marching for the change that you want to create can often lead to a longevity and a sustainable inner state of soul, soul satiety that is no longer, no longer feels like martyrdom, no longer feels like saviorism, no longer feels like bleeding out and dying for a cause, but rather creating and just, it's a cycle that feeds itself. The life feeds itself. Creation feeds itself. Okay. So what's my point here? I'm gonna have a sip of my mushy, mushy brew. Mm. With prophecy and people showing up with their spiritual gifting to make a point, to be right, to be noticed. There is no soul satiety in that for me. And often I will find myself marching against or speaking against what it is I don't want, as opposed to marching for or speaking for the life, not just my own life, but all of life that I do want to see. And so this is where speaking life, the concept of speaking life comes in. Speaking life as a prophetic gift is about when you have a dream or a vision or you find yourself staying stuck on something bad that might happen. Rather than the fatalistic, this is going to happen, and I am also somehow in charge of it happening or not happening, shifts in a, a state of into a state of maturity and groundedness that then becomes, 
if I'm being shown these things, it isn't so that I become frozen or fearful or fatalistic. It's because I can collaborate and interact with it in such a way that I'm marching for. I'm marching for the life I want to see, the change I want to see. And so whenever stuff like this comes to me now, this is, like I said, it's a process. I am by no means a pro. <laughs> really what I'm called to do is take that and speak, speak life over it. Speak for the change that could be, the potentials that are there, as opposed to, please don't make this happen. Please don't let this happen. You know, uh, I'm, I'm making it so it won't happen. No. Speaking life, which is something everyone can do, is about <clears throat> marching for and speaking for the change you want to interact with as a creator, as a creative person. Um, there's a little bit more, there are more nuance that I'm not clear about right now on, in the new age industry, there's a lot of concepts presented about being a co-creator, a co-collaborator, or just a creator with reality. And that tends to follow along the lines of manifestation, getting what you want, making things happen for yourself. It's a subtle difference where I'm trying to convey from right now, but it's important. And this brings me to my next point of comparing and contrasting to sex magic. The reason why, as much as, as magic and spell work <clears throat> can be a valid thing and, and helpful and all of it and real, the important point here is <clears throat> that it, it isn't just that it's selfish, because <clears throat> like I said, being selfish is normal. And it's, this isn't about morals, being good versus being bad, being sinful versus being holy. It's about context. The most important part of speaking life for the greater life, as opposed to doing sex magic to get what I want, is about context. Not that it's a selfish thing or an evil thing or a bad thing or even a destructive thing. And it and it, it can result in those things. Absolutely. It's about context. If you are alive right now, you have won the lottery. <laughs> and I'll tell you something about winning lotteries. It is a double-edged sword. It is a gift and at the same time, like all gifts, it is the potential for a curse. Any gift, any privilege is a double-edged sword. Wonderful and cursed. It's really dependent on the individual. How that plays out. When you win the lottery or when you defy the odds, which is what we have all done basically by being born in this time, it is an enormous gift and it, it has the potential to be a really, a really painful curse. Context is crucial and it is what is missing almost completely 
from modern Western spirituality, self-help, and coaching industry stuff. Context. You cannot bypass context with magic, magical thinking, and magical skills, although it might seem like it's possible in the moment, very much so. But a non-douchey spiritual path doesn't need to bypass reality, doesn't need to manipulate reality, doesn't need to force what you don't want so that you get what you do want, as opposed to speaking life, which is marching or speaking for <laughs> the, the creation that you want to see for the greater life, the greater thou, the greater whole. This is where context comes in. As I said at the start of this recording, upheaval, intensity. I've said it before, lots of people are saying it. It's like labor pains. When you start to go into labor, it can feel like it's gonna drag on forever and that there will never be an end point. And so it can, you can get kind of complacent. I've never given birth, I've just heard the stories. And as of somebody with a womb, I can certainly relate very clearly through lived experience. It can seem like there's no end point. But at some point in the labor process, the contractions start coming closer and closer together. And that I think is a point where a lot of mothers realize, oh crap, this is real and it's happening and there is gonna be an end point here. There's going to be a result here. This is really happening. This is where we're at. And whether or not that results, air quotes, in, in something drastic like human extinction in the next three decades, which is what some post-doom people in the collapsology sciences and stuff are sort of predicting based on their science. Whether or not that that's uh, an endpoint to our labor pains, it doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned where I'm coming from. Uh, we are in absolutely, undebatably. People can debate all they want. I don't participate in that. Because it doesn't need to be about me being right doesn't need to be about anyone dogmatically being right. We just are. This is the reality of life on earth. Right here and right now. We're in this time of, of contractions and labor pains and, and it's, it's unfortunately a birth about death and destruction. And I know the cheesy new age thing would be to be like, oh, we're giving birth to a new paradigm. We're giving... I, I gotta leave that stuff alone, it's just not me. First of all, it wouldn't be authentic, but also, that's not the context. Context is so important. When we stay stuck on doing magic or spiritual gifting or prophecy that is all about me, about manipulating and getting what I want, what I need, what I think is right, what I think is right for others, it is selfish, it is destructive, all that things, but it doesn't take into account context. And so it can't, from my perspective and my experience, be valid. 
that's not a genuine, true, real spirituality if it doesn't take into account the context that we live in, live in and that we were born into. One more note I want to make because I'm not sure if I'm being clear in this recording. I'm just exploring these ideas as they come through. As always, that's like my little asterisk on these recordings. So speaking life is is about the greater we, and it does, it, it leads to uh, an easy, effortless, typically effortless soul satiety. Where when I'm in service, truly, and I'm immersed and out of my head and out of the analyzing and the worrying and the fixing and the controlling, I'm in an easy state within, deep within my bones, within my soul, that is really fulfilling on a level that it's really tough to capture in words. It's really got to be felt and experienced. As opposed to the sex magic approach or, or any kind of magical approach, spell work, things like that. It's about the me. And really one thing, even more than being selfish or destructive or all that other moral stuff, it, it like in my experience, it hurts and it just makes me more suffering. I become, when I take that stance and I'm gonna do magic and I'm gonna fix and I'm gonna manifest and blah, 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 I become painfully attached and suffering. I, I get really focused on outcomes despite all the self-help and spiritual advice out there that gives the tips and tricks on how to manifest in a way where you're not attached, you're not overthinking, you're not focused on outcomes. And I know it's out there. I know the content is out there. I've written some of it. And it's true. It's a valid thing. However, for myself and in my experience, and I know this is true for other people, for a lot of other people, context. I, I can't just... I've been there, I've done it. I get painfully attached, I just do, and I get neurotic. These are my tendencies. These are the patterns and cycles and, and ways of, of being, doing, and relating that I have been ingrained with as the result of being born and raised in a Western industrialist, capitalist, me, 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 centered and focused society. There's no way to fix that. There's no way to overcome that. Tricks and tips on how to become a manifester, a winner, just doesn't, doesn't get to the root of it for me. It, it's a forced thing. It's a neurotic, in my head thing. And the final point I wanna make this has gone kind of long. I really wonder who's going to listen to these. I think that eventually I will maybe hire someone to edit these recordings, some of them, because I think some of them could go up on a website and actually be really helpful. Maybe not all of them. But the difference between my use of astrological charts is really encapsulated in this entire recording that I've just done. My Western tropical chart, I always say this to myself, I haven't really said it out loud before, so <laughs> I'm debuting it. My Western tropical chart, astrology chart, shows my trauma. 
and it's incredibly helpful as a tool for showing my trauma and the impacts of, of my trauma conditioning and the ways that I live and be and do and relate as the result of trauma conditioning. This is just sort of like a general descriptor of my own experience with my Western tropical chart. My Jyotish chart, sidereal, shows my Dharma. So Western shows my trauma, Jyotish shows my Dharma. Both really helpful in different ways. But when it comes to the Western tropical chart, uh, it can get really fatalistic and fearful rather than empowering. Whereas my Jyotish chart is like having a post-it note reminder. Every time I look at it, it's a post-it note reminder as a tool. It's a reminder of alignment, of what alignment can look like for me. And it's a reminder of the patterns and cycles I easily fall into that keep me in my own way, blocking my own runway. And that's what leads to misalignment. I guess that's my final point. I'm going to stop here. Thanks for listening if you did. And go look at some mushrooms. Just, you know, just look at them. They're so cool. I'm going to go drink some more of mine. Okay, bye.